0: Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon. In this episode, I talk about truth. What is truth? Is it to be found in religion? Are Jehovah's Witnesses the truth? And why do I think I finally found the truth? So as a child growing up in Jehovah's Witnesses, truth was a term that I heard often and that I learned to repeat. To be precise, the term I was familiar with was the truth. I was raised to believe that my religion and my religion alone was the truth. I was in the truth. I was encouraged to keep walking in the truth, never to leave the truth, only to have friends who were in the truth and to marry in the truth. Essentially, the truth was synonymous with the organisation, the Watchtower Society, the religion I belonged to. But it also referred to the teachings I was raised to believe. My religion was the truth, Because the things it taught were supposedly true, accurate, factual. Growing up, it never crossed my mind that the doctrines I'd been fed since being a child might be false. False religion referred to all the other religions, not mine. My religion only taught true things. So, as a child, my religion, my faith, my beliefs, as they were indoctrinated into me, were very stable. Nothing ever seemed to change as far as what was being taught was concerned, I was in the truth. What I was led to believe was true and truth doesn't change, except in the Jehovah's Witnesses it does. Over time I began to notice that the teachings I were told were true, absolute, unquestionable, would be swapped out for something new. I was taught that there were old truths and new truths. As I entered my teens, I found it quite entertaining when someone answered an old truth at a meeting. Sometimes they would be corrected by the meeting conductor or even another person answering up. Embarrassing for them, no doubt. But always there would be a discussion on the way home from the meeting. My dad or mum would be chatting as we drove home and say something like, ''Did you notice that brother so-and-so got something wrong tonight?'' He said such and such, whereas the new truth is whatever. I found it intellectually exciting, exhilarating even, to keep up with present truth. And it never dawned on me that what we were calling old truths were, in fact, falsehoods. I still remember the time I got my hands on the 1920 book entitled Millions Now Living Will Never Die. I was 32 years old and still thinking of my religion as the truth. So imagine how shocked I was when I read the following on page 88. Since other scriptures definitely fix the fact that there will be a resurrection of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and other faithful ones of old, and that these will have the first favour, we may expect 1925 to witness the return of these faithful men of Israel from the condition of death being resurrected and fully restored to perfect humanity and made the visible legal representatives of the new order of things on earth. This was such a bold statement repeated again on page 97 of the book that it prompted a sudden awakening in me. I realised that the old truths we spoke about were nothing short of the organisation getting it wrong. Really wrong. And that this was a pattern that went all the way back to the inception of the organisation. As I read more of the old Watchtower publications, I found tonnes of things over the years that had proved false. The teaching that Armageddon would come in 1914 that the Great Pyramid of Giza was God's stone witness and proof that 1914 would be the end of the world. I read how, up to 1929, the organisation had taught that Jesus' invisible presence began in 1874, but how in 1929 they then shifted it to 1914. Growing up as a child in the 70s, I was all too familiar with the idea that the people living in 1914 would still be alive to see Armageddon, that it was coming in my lifetime and I would never leave school before the end came. Yet here I was, now 32 years old, married with three children, and as I delved further into the Watchtower's writings... I found that they had strongly insinuated that 1975 would be the start of the thousand-year reign of Christ over the earth, despite my parents denying this was ever a thing. And I noted how various teachings even changed and then changed back again. For example, will the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah have a resurrection? Now, my parents used to laugh about this one all the time. In 1879, The answer was yes, they would be resurrected. By 1955, no. 1965, yes. Two years later in 67, no. In 1974, it was back to yes again. In 1988, no, and then it was changed back to yes. And then a year later in 89, back to no again. The thing I noticed as I did my research was that wrong was rarely, if ever, a word that was used i certainly never came upon it the governing body never said we got it wrong instead they would say things like there's been a new understanding or this belief has been clarified a complete misuse of the word clarified there or there's been some new light these i felt were always of not saying we were wrong or our teaching was false And no sooner was a teaching discarded, the new teaching was deemed to be the truth. And it began to dawn on me, how could I know for sure that what I was being taught now was actually true? What I was teaching others was indeed the truth. The teachings themselves could hardly be called the truth with any certainty. They were fluid, always changing, and that became more apparent as time went on. The 1914 generation teaching changed multiple times. The faithful and discreet slave, who up to 2012 had been all anointed Christians on earth at any given time, suddenly, overnight, became just the governing body. The supposed appointment of the slave was changed from 33 AD to 1919, jettisoning not just Charles Taze Russell and the Bible students as part of the faithful and discreet slave, but even the Apostles. Now, only since the time of Judge Rutherford was there ever a slave dispensing food at the proper time. That's convenient, I remember thinking, because by ditching Russell, they could sweep aside many of the initial falsehoods that were, frankly, embarrassing. It no longer mattered that Armageddon didn't come in 1914. Later, Rutherford could denounce the Great Pyramid as satanic. They only had to think of the truth as being things they'd taught since 1919 but even that seemed problematic to me. Supposedly, Jesus chose Rutherford and his colleagues as his faithful and discreet slave at a time they were still celebrating Christmas, smoking, that didn't become a complete no-no until the 1970s, having blood transfusions, believing Jesus died on a cross, and many, many other things that later were swept aside by so-called new truth. The argument was always made that the light was getting brighter, a reference to Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18. But upon reading that verse, I realised it wasn't talking about truth at all. It was talking about the path of the righteous one. The verse was never intended to be a prophetic indication that God gradually reveals truth to the Watchtower society. It wasn't talking about truth. Truth is always true. Truth doesn't get brighter. Proverbs 4, when read in context, is actually a comparison of the actions of good and bad people. The path of a righteous one would become more righteous, more moral, more upright. It has nothing to do with dispensing doctrinal truth through an organisation. This was just something Jehovah's Witnesses had applied to themselves to excuse their constant doctrinal changes. Around 2004, I also began looking more closely at Jesus and the gospel message. I saw clearly that when Jesus referred to the truth, he wasn't talking about a religion or an organisation. In John 14, verse 6, he said he was the truth. In John 8, verse 32, he said the truth will set you free. Jehovah's Witnesses had claimed the truth as their title. This seemed wrong to me, at odds with what Jesus was saying, even blasphemous. Jehovah's Witnesses proudly stated that becoming a witness, coming into the truth, would make you free. But from what? False religion and ultimately from sin and death. But what I saw was the opposite of that. I saw that as Witnesses we were far from free. When it came to what we believed, what we were told to believe, we were enslaved to the whims of the governing body. What they said was true was the truth until it wasn't. And we were taught to change our beliefs whenever they changed their minds about something. It struck me that this was not really truth or even real belief. It was just the current best guess of a group of men who had placed themselves in a position of authority over a group of religious adherents. And witnesses were just accepting whatever they were told, usually without question truth really mattered to me real truth not just ideas that would change like the wind and it shocked me to find that truth wasn't of such importance to other witnesses even my dad who had been a witness all his life an elder for most of it didn't really seem to care about truth when i asked him what would you do if you found out jehovah's witnesses were not the truth he replied that he would stick with it because there was nothing better out there Firstly, I I don't know how he could come to that conclusion. I'm pretty sure he hasn't investigated every religious or spiritual option. He was, like many, like me, born into Jehovah's Witnesses. It's all he's ever known, and he's never looked outside of it. Secondly, it amazed me that he didn't really care whether what he believed, what he was teaching others, was really true, so long as it worked for him and gave him a framework to live by then it was okay. I kind of get that. It's nice to have the world make sense, to have answers, or at least to think you have the answers. But me, I wanted more. I didn't want to settle for good enough. I wanted actual truth, absolute truth. Was that even possible? At first, I thought absolute truth was about facts, And that, I found, was nigh on impossible to tie down. When it comes to facts, you can think you know something only to gain additional information later that changes your mind, kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses were doing. That, to me, wasn't truth, not in my book. Truth, I figured, must be something more. So I returned to Jesus' words. He said, I am the truth. That really resonated with me. It felt like I was close to an answer to the same question Pilate had asked Jesus in John 18, verse 38. Quid a veritas, or what is truth? Jesus was saying he was it. He was the truth. But what did he mean? Further Bible reading led me to the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 2, verse 3, where, speaking of Jesus, he said, "...all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him." what did this mean? That Jesus knew everything? That Jesus had all the facts? Absolute truth? Maybe, but I couldn't get away from that bold statement Jesus made. I am the truth. I am. I am. I am the truth. That rattled around my head for many years as I tried to figure out what he meant. In the meantime, I had what I could only describe as a born again experience. In August 2004, I identified as an anointed Christian with the hope of going to heaven. At the same time, it felt like the Bible opened up to me in a way it hadn't before. And I began to see many of Jesus' teachings and the teachings of Paul from a more mystical perspective. The New World Translation, the JW version of the Bible, spoke of being in union with Jesus. But when I read other translations, I found they used the expression in Christ. And if Christ was the truth, that would mean being in the truth meant being in Jesus, not an organisation. But what did that even mean? Further research led me to understand more fully the idea of being baptised into Christ, becoming one with him. And in turn, one with the Father. I began to understand verses such as Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, that spoke of becoming sharers in divine nature. I began to see the message that Jesus was preaching, a message of oneness, a message about who he was, who the Father was, and ultimately who I was. It was in 2006 after my first disfellowshipping for apostasy for questioning the JW narrative that I wrote a book called I Am. The full title was I Am God and it was essentially a conversation with who I thought of at the time as God, Jehovah. But as I wrote the book, as it was channeled through me from somewhere outside of my physical body, I began to realise that I was God. Now, I know how that sounds, but don't get me wrong. This wasn't me just having grandiose ideas. I wasn't claiming that I alone was the transcendent, omnipotent God of the Bible. I meant that I am, as Jesus was, indeed, as all of us are, one. That there is only one. The idea of many, as my book went on to explain, is purely an illusion, And that became my belief, even after I was reinstated as a Jehovah's Witness in 2009. I had this very mystical view of God, of Jesus, of my oneness with them as an anointed Christian. And I genuinely thought of myself as in Christ, as part of the body of Christ. And from 2006 to 2019, when I left Jehovah's Witnesses, I lived my life to all intents and purposes as a born again Christian within the only framework I knew at the time. Jehovah's Witnesses, and I lived with an understanding that I was one with Christ, with God, and with my fellow anointed believers. It wasn't until after my second disfellowship in 2019 that I began to reevaluate all of my beliefs, from God to Jesus to the Bible itself. Now, I couldn't deny that I'd had a spiritual experience in 2004 an awakening to my oneness with all that is, but I was also struggling to believe the entire Bible as being 100% the inerrant inspired word of God. Much of it seemed at odds with Jesus' teachings of love and oneness, especially the Old Testament, and so I began to deconstruct my JW beliefs, rooting out any doctrines that i had inherited from childhood if they didn't feel right. I began to trust my instincts to look within to examine the subject of oneness in a much broader sense than just a Jehovah's Witness or even a Christian. I began to formulate my own ideas, and the one thought I kept coming back to was, I am. I am conscious. I think. I exist. Really, I am the only thing I can be certain of as true. And that's when it occurred to me, that's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the truth. He was identifying himself with the ultimate source, the singularity of all possibilities, all knowledge. And he didn't just mean that he alone was the truth. Remember, he taught oneness. So it's as accurate to say Jesus is the truth as it is to say I am or you are who I am, who you are, is our reality such as it is. I think, therefore, I am, as Descartes wrote. My greatest understanding of truth and its relation to self-identity and oneness with source came when I was introduced to Advaitism, the philosophy of non-duality, the idea that there is only one. That one, that singularity is, according to Advaitism, Naguna Brahman, Brahman or God without attributes. I've come to refer to this, as many spiritual teachers have, as source rather than God, this singularity of all possibilities unbounded by time or space, the all without manifestation. What we see as the universe, as ourselves, as individuals, is but an illusion, a projection of source, Saguna Brahman, or Brahman with attributes. It's like Source fragmented into many instances of the same consciousness, unlimited fractal instances of awareness, and as such was able to experience all things. Good and evil, to coin a phrase from the Bible. Perhaps this is what the Jewish writers meant when they told the story of Adam and Eve becoming like one of us, the gods, knowing good and evil. I don't know, but what I do know is that this body of mine is just an avatar, a projection through which my higher self, one of the infinite fractal consciousnesses out there, is able to experience a physical existence. As Pierre Thielhard de Chardin wrote, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And my higher self is also just an avatar, a manifestation of the ultimate source. And this is my true identity. I am God. I am source manifesting itself as indeed was the word of John chapter one that manifested as Jesus Christ. I am all that is, including Jesus, and so are you. We are one. We are a manifestation of the ultimate truth, and that truth is source. The realisation of self-identity with oneness is what Advaitists call moksha. Unlike Hindus in general who believe that moksha is only attainable after death, Advaitists believe moksha can be realised even in this life. This is certainly my experience, Moksha, the understanding of who I am, this spiritual awakening, is something I've personally experienced and come to understand more fully over the years. Source, to me, is the absolute truth, and having realised my relationship to it, I feel I've been set free. I am no longer enslaved to a religion or to a god or gods or any specific holy book for that matter. I am beyond all of that. Now, these things were a useful vehicle to get me so far on my spiritual path, but I've outgrown the idea of truth being a particular religion, worshipping a particular God in a particular way. I no longer need these things. Now, I'm not saying worship is not edifying or useful. It can be, but it's unnecessary if I worship a god or gods, I'm effectively just worshipping myself, either that or a man-made fictional deity. I can see that now, so I don't worship, I don't pray, at least not in the way I used to, and I don't live my life worrying about whether a certain religious truth is true or not. All the complicated mental gymnastics that I was expected to perform as a Jehovah's Witness to make sense of the Bible are now of no relevance to me. I feel free and at peace, certain of who and what I am, and where ultimately I am returning. I know the truth, and the truth has set me free. Now I can live my life in the knowledge that everything is fine. I don't have to worry about doing enough to please a made up Jehovah deity. I don't need to concern myself with getting to heaven or surviving Armageddon. None of that matters anymore. I can live my Dharma, my purpose content in the knowledge that I'm okay as I am. All the teachings and doctrines of my JW days are just religious noise to me now. I really don't care. None of it matters. I can enjoy just being and knowing that when this body, this avatar dies, I will return to my true spirit nature. Maybe I will return in another body, as I have in many previous lifetimes, reincarnation, if you will, to have another human experience. But ultimately, when the universe ends, which it will, I, along with all other instances of consciousness, will return to source, to the singularity, to repeat again ad infinitum. I know that I am and that I always will be, and that, I believe, is the truth. Let me know in the comments if any of what I have said in this podcast makes any sense at all, and what your thoughts are on truth. Is truth about facts? Is Jesus the truth, or is it something else? And if you like my podcast, a like and a subscribe to the channel would be great. Thanks for listening. Join me again soon. Bye for now.